to avoid digital business mistakes. Hi, this is Brian from Franchise Radio Show. Delighted to have you with us again. And uh, thank you for supporting us. The popularity of this, of this podcast never ceases to amaze me. And, and that's one of the reasons I've managed to draw a very capable and interesting guest along today, Avon Collis. So I'll give you a bit of the background of Avon. Uh, I was introduced to him by a colleague. And uh, I must say, he's worked with a number of our clients. I've been very impressed with his knowledge, his ability, and his infrastructure that he has. So he's a business automation specialist. Uh, and he works with business owners to both automatically capture valuable business information and stuff they want to share within the team and you know also help them with automation analytics, that sort of thing. So in, in the usual way, <laughs> he claims, and he does indeed, helps business owners and franchisors to get their life back and stop them being the bottleneck of information and decisions in the business. All too easy for all of us. So uh, Avon's the director of Relevate, Ripper Hosting, Relevate People and Lance IT. So you can see he's a fairly industrious individual. They all work together to assist businesses with digital transformation services and IT infrastructure. He's got a passion for learning languages to help people be more effective with technology. And I must say, our clients tell us that if you're looking for independent advice on the best technology platforms to use in your business, uh, Avon's got heaps of free videos on his YouTube channel um, at Relevate and courses in his academy. And we'll give you the details of that all later and also where you can contact him. So good, good day there to you, Avon. How are you? I'm well, very much so. <laughs> so thank you very much for asking. Now, anything you want to add to my introduction there? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, it kind of seems like a lot, but at the end of the day, you know, all people need all things. They need uh, somewhere to host their website. They need they need the, the digital infrastructure. So we like to think of it as like the, you know, how you got like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So there's almost like a, a business hierarchy of needs. You know, there's a foundation where one, you've got to have customers. Two, you've got to have, uh, oh, sorry. One, you probably got to have a, you know, a value proposition, something that you're selling. Then you've got to have customers. Then you need to be able to interact with them. And these days you can't do that without a phone and a laptop and uh, which is your, your tech layer. Then there's a software layer, which is the, you know, all the bits that stitch all that together, like your project management, your, your accounting software, uh, all of those things. Uh, but on top of that, there's this one little spot that's kind of like that transcending component, you know, if you're equating to the hierarchy of needs and that's that CRM, that's that bit that stitches the customer into mm-hmm. everything else in your business. And that's, that's one of our main focuses. And then all of that allows automation. If you've got a system, then it can all talk and gather the data and uh, take the stress off the person. So I guess we try to simplify the complex as much as possible. Yeah. So you've probably taken the wind out of my sails there. My first question was... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, we're, we're here. We're hungry for information and knowledge, so don't hesitate to share. So my first question was, is digital transformation just another buzzword, Avon? Yeah, I think it has become that. And I think the problem is that people kind of equate it to being like a singular event, like just something that happens once and then we go and do something. All right, we've transformed. Let's move forward. No, I think it is a... It's almost like a way of life you know think of the you know the way of the samurai if you will you've got you know kaizen which is uh, you know small improvements over time digital transformation should be uh, there's now new terms like continuous digital transformation which is just fancy stuff to say let's just improve things a little bit every day and you know like when you're trying to automate stuff you know you can save five minutes by implementing one thing but if you do that task you know 10 times a day that's a huge saving at the end of the year which you can then reinvest in automating the next process and the next process and if you're not doing it you are going to get so far left behind. It is not funny, particularly at the rate of change. Yeah, it's become such a massive thing. It used to be something you tacked onto your business, but uh, that, that's why I think everyone needs someone on their 
shoulder to be able to keep abreast of these things, as you say, because changes are happening. So, you know, I, I saw somewhere there's over 10,000 apps in the marketplace. I suspect that's probably an underestimate, but how do you choose the right one? Or how do I choose the right one for my business, for example? Well, I think since the map that I first saw was like 8,000 and that was about five years ago and in since COVID, it's jumped significantly. And if you think about how many days, weeks, months, years it takes to develop an application. And now we've got things like AI coming out of the woodwork, which I ask it, how do I do this line of code? And it can give me that line of code exactly how it should be. So the rate of growth in platforms is going to exponentially grow. So I wouldn't be surprised that in five years time, it'll be 15,000. And then another five years, it'll be 30,000. So I think one, a lot of platforms do what you want to do, but not every platform is going to be completely aligned with your business and do everything that you need it to do. So what I would do is rather than look at the features and functions of the software is why don't you look at your own business first and see what is it that I'm doing now? What is it that I'm going to need to do in a year, two years, three years, and really try to map out that strategy of what is it that I'm actually trying to get out of all of this and will it will it lead to a, you know, a business result? Because if you're buying platforms because you like the way it clicks, the way it feels, the way it does things, you know, that one particular task, it's not really going to give you the end benefit that you're trying to get out of it. So I would start with get a spreadsheet on the left, create a huge column of just, you know, what are my requirements? Maybe go have a look at some other software just to get an idea of what's available. But say you need project management. Do you need to be able to do time billing? Do you need to be able to have it integrate into accounting? What kind of reports do you need? Think by focus or like your business focus first and then prioritize them in what's critical and what's nice to have because there are plenty of nice to have features out there. Oh, I like the way it links to my email. And some of those can be generated around, you know, one of those nice to haves could be that the team adopts. So if it looks nice and it feels good, but no one's going to use it, then it's not really an effective uh, product anyway. So there's a lot of things you need to take into consideration, not just you know that one particular app. Yeah, there's a lot that's really cosmetic. So of course, when, when you look at any app, there's, there's a myriad different options that you get. You know, it's a matter of seeing what you think suits you. But for example, I mean, in a number of cases, I, th- I think we resort to using the free plans. What's, what's your thoughts on free versus subscription plans, generally speaking, Aiden? So, you know, when you're starting out, a free plan could be a really good way for you to get to know what a platform is, maybe even, you know, find your feet on what it is that you actually need in your business. What do you, what's actually going to work for you? What's going to really just sort of be superfluous or get in the way or, you know, say for example, task management things, you know, one perfect example is Asana. It looks nice. It feels nice. got a free plan. You can jump in, you can add tasks and it's really easy to add tasks. But the problem with it is that you add potentially too many tasks and then you just get this fatigue and you don't actually use it, but then you can't operationalize it into billing, into many meaningful reports at a certain scale. Um, you know, if someone marks something off, there's no audit log and trail to go. Who marked it off? Did they have permissions to do so? All of those sorts of things. Now you're going to, so, be, you're going to be prepared for transition because, uh, well, as you're saying, we started using, for example, you mentioned there, Asana. We started using that about 10 years ago, I suppose. But after about four or five years, we realized we need to transition onto something else and then subsequently onto something else. And um, so you've got to be conscious because there's more and more demands we have of our apps, isn't there, as we realize what we can do and change our business model, of course, that's the big thing. So I suppose someone like like, like me, um, typical, you know, small, medium business, consultancy, what well, doesn't matter what your disciplines are, 
I just want something simple. I mean, can you recommend a software to start with if we're looking at building up, you know, a suite, if you like, for a business? I guess if you wanted to, uh, <laughs> I'd be very careful of just giving a, uh, a random throw out, throwaway line. Yeah, um, and some, some of the things you touched on there was, you know, some scaling issues, you know, being able to do bulk data management, being able to assign new statuses and, and you know, tracking things because uh, things start to get a little unwieldy after a while. And you need, maybe you want to put some budget measures in to say, you know, this project should not be more than, you know, 10 hours for this task or something like that. You really need to, like I said, do that comparison. There is one platform that, you know, and as agnostic as we try to be, there are some that stand out as things that we recommend on a large basis. And it really does depend on where you're at in the phase of business. I think when you're really, really small, you're like one or two people, you know, you go for those free apps, those um, like things that allow you to, you know, do the free plan and then scale up a little bit. You know, things like uh, HubSpot, you know, that looks nice, feels good. It's got a free plan. We call it drug dealer pricing. First hit's free. After that, it gets really, really expensive. Yeah, they hit um, you. Yeah. Yeah, then they really get you once you're hooked. And then there's other platforms that, you know, have a really broad range of functionality, like, you know, Zoho One, for example, which has 50 plus applications. A lot of them, you know, it's quite configurable. There's a lot of like freedom to do what you need to do. But then at a certain point, it runs out of uh, ability to you know, nuanced ability to change something or you know at a certain scale you might need a particular function and then it, you've got to integrate it build it customize it or something so then there's other tools so there's probably different phases there's a small business phase there's that intermediate phase where you're starting to really mature and then there's that maturity phase where now you need better financial controls better reporting everything's happening remote you've got more legal requirements that you have to deal with and then you're probably looking at a, an ERP system and then there's you know platforms that are some are quite expensive. But if you think about the offset of, you know, for example, there's one like NetSuite, which is uh, an ERP, you could go on the stock market with that. It'll follow all the rules and the, the laws and things that you need to, to be listed on an exchange. But then, you know, yes, it's expensive, but it might cost you a whole person's wage for the licenses, but it'd probably save you four or five staff through automation and reporting and, you know, any kind of like fines and things like that. So is the, in big capital letters, it depends. But I would say one that we tend to recommend on a regular basis, pure just because it answers the questions or answers the problems is Zoho One. And I, we are a Zoho partner. We do have links to that. I do try to recommend other things on a regular basis as well. But like I said, we write down what the company needs first and then do a comparative analysis across you know, the top three or four that we think and then you know, ideally select the winning, the winning yeah. one. Yes, it's, it's staying ahead of the game, isn't it? Trying to anticipate what you're going to need in a year or two's time to avoid that hassle of having to migrate everything as in yeah. smoothly as you promised, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, technology is changing faster and faster. Don't you tell anybody that. What, how, how, what's your prescription for actually staying on top of that for the average, you know, small, medium-sized business? Because it's not easy. Well, we've been trying to help with that with things like, you know, we do software unboxing videos on YouTube and that basically I talk through it and I, I try to poke holes in it. I'll, I'll open it up and I'll say, all right, I wish it had this feature or it's underbaked here or it really needs that. And, you know, the problem is that it, it's evolving and changing on a regular basis as well. So it's really hard to try and keep everybody across it at all times. So I guess you know, I would look for review. I would go and see what other people's synopsis is, you know, maybe talk to other business owners who have 
experience using their platforms. But I would also be very careful of that in the sense that sometimes they only know that one thing, so they're quite biased. Or, you know, you get a new employee come in, they go, oh, I've used this in this other business and it was good there, so I'll have to bring it over here. And you get all these like political internal chopping and changing, which what you should really have is a digital strategy, which matches your, you know, business goals and strategy. And that's something that we advise on. That's something that we assist with. And when people come to us, you know, you'd said, you said yourself that it was hard to know what people need in, you know, a year, two years. But we try to map out, okay, well, when you get to this size, you're going to have a scaling problem due to not enough inventory or you're going to need, um, you know, people management and HR. You're going to need some payroll stuff, knowledge management articles. We start to anticipate some of those needs because we've seen it time and time again. So there's generally 10 ways to address any one problem, but it's good to understand what that pathway looks like so that you're not chopping and changing platforms. Maybe it means you go to a bigger platform and you have a development cycle in that so that when you get to, you know, three years, five years, then you're making a bigger, better decision into something else instead of having changed four or five times along that along that path. Yeah, you know, the analogy comes to me, maybe an odd one, with wine tasting. You know, it's a matter of knowing what your tastes are, what do you want it to complement with, what meal mm. you're going to have, what yeah. palates are, what they like, you know, mm. full-bodied, etc. And it's a bit the same with your software, um, just finding the thing that's right. As you say, but keeping on top of it, I mean, technology has, has gone so rapidly with its changes, its growth in the last few years. There's not many people who are business owners, CEOs that are actually on top of it. May have been the case a few years ago, but, but not anymore. So I suppose from that point of view, I know I've heard you mention before about a technology roadmap, strategy mm. map. Could you expand on that a little bit? Probably crosses across what we've just been talking about, but maybe you could just define that for me. Yeah, well, I guess it's kind of, you know, from the basic, I guess, uh, consulting perspective, it's where are you now, where you want to be and how you're going to get there. So say, for example, yeah, like you said, you don't plan in isolation. You don't go, oh, I really like this application. But, you you know, when you're talking about your own tastes and what you want it to complement, you know, we might make a completely different set of recommendations if you're very Google centric and you use the, you know, Gmail and that sort of thing, as opposed to if you're Microsoft centric, because there's, you know, different platforms that are built with a different sort of perspective in mind. Uh, whatever we want, whatever we get, we want it to play well with others. We don't want to have to use a lot of middleware, which is like those Zapier tools that connect this to that because they break, you know, 30 days, 90 days, they've got a like a password reset or an API reset. And then you've got then do, you know, something else, I guess, um, yeah. or, or go log back in and reconnect it. So there's some maintenance required. And in that time, you know, if it's passing invoices, well, now you're not getting invoices go out or, you know, some kind of like damaging metric. So when looking at the other things in your business, maybe there's some change management procedures, maybe there's some, you know, the business needs to evolve. And I think the happy zone is you know, you've got some people at one end of the spectrum that are not very technical and only want basic things. You've got other people that are super technical, that are very detail focused, that understand the technology. But the happy zone is in the middle when you bring you know, the technical people, you know, rein them in a bit and then, you know, bring up the less technical. And then when everybody's unified in that space where they can kind of collaborate and communicate and share information and knowledge and experience, that that becomes really transformational in a business. So having a roadmap helps to, you know, like if, if you're getting people to, to change directions, it, it can be very difficult. So you want to do it gradually and you want to make sure that whatever changes that you implement, you don't just walk in the next day and go, right, we're completely changing everything we do from tomorrow because then you're going to have maybe a bit of mutiny, maybe a bit of change, you need to announce it, et cetera. So the roadmap helps to damage control, make sure the data goes across, make sure that when you go into the new system, you've tested everything that it, that it's going to do what it's supposed to. And sometimes you might use a stepping stone solution because we've got that three-year plan, that five-year plan. You know, we want maybe the business's goal is to list on the ASX, but today they're using a couple of, you know, off-the-shelf free 
plan tools. You know, I'm pretty sure that when it comes to project management, Rio Tinto are not using Asana for their mining projects. They're using, you know, an ERP that is designed specifically for that. So maybe there's, you know, we need to train the people, we need to find the right resources, we need to you know, make sure that whatever the company is doing fits within this platform or that platform, et cetera. You mentioned a key word there, which is dear to our hearts in the franchise space, which is training. That's where everything mm-hmm. starts. And ongoing support really is what determines the future of the success of the company, no matter how good the product or the people. How do you, I mean, you address it? Because if you're, if you're changing software, mm-hmm. uh, actually having everybody on the same page, understanding yep. and learning and be able to use effectively the new application, okay, you get supplied with a few videos and a few bits and pieces, you know, to try and learn your way through. But that doesn't suit everybody. How do you recommend you actually run through the implementation when you transition to a new app? So obviously it depends greatly on things like, you know, budget, size of team, et cetera. For a very small team, you can just quickly whack it in and go, but you would have communicated that. But for uh, the larger the company gets, the more you have to buy that bite-sized chunk that down. And, you know, one thing I like, uh, we prefer is the agile development methodology. We're talking about that Kaizen concept before where, you know, continually improving digital transformation is not a one and done. It's a continuous thing. So we might start with a very small project and then over time hold regular, you know, whether it's like a you know, weekly stand-up session um, to train or to, to get feedback from the users to say, hey, I've been trying this and it's not working for me. Or I've been using, you know, we, we sent this out to the customer and got this response. Now we can start to make those refinement tweaks along the way that help with adoption, that help with, you know, oh, I, I didn't know this until I started using it. Kind of those problems where, um, you know, someone gets a little bit further down the, work, down the rabbit hole because when they first get into a platform, if it's more complex, you know, they're really only going to do all the surface level stuff. And then when they start trying to some advanced things might hit some roadblocks. So you need to be able to anticipate that where you can, or at least by breaking it down and go, right, this week, we're just going to focus on implementing or using this part of the software. Then next week, because software is the formalization of a process. So the first thing we have to do is understand that they're going to be changing the process and and not all of, you can't completely flip your business processes in your, like across your entire business overnight. It's something that requires time, training, consultation, you know, uh, stakeholder feedback and engagement. All of those things come together to help with that yes it's certainly a, a broad a broad uh, subject isn't it so i suppose trying to filter that through if i can sort of pick your brains as much as possible there is, there's so much there right so how, how do you how do you filter through it you've mentioned about your, your sort of mobile your roadmap looking to the future to try and anticipate what you're going to need but mm. working through this process of filtering through all these apps i mean the thing is there's some quite there's some relatively unknown apps which are you know for different people are brilliant how do you mm. see your way through to make those decisions? Because as you're saying, once you make the decision, you're pretty stuck for a while. You don't want to be chopping mm. and aging too much. So what, what is the best way of filtering through? Is there a technique or, or service or something like that you could suggest? Yes. Yeah, so this is sort of when it comes down to the, you know, doing a deep dive needs analysis. So one thing we do is... Um, we the first phase i guess is finding out what it is the biz, what makes the business tick and what the problems are etc so ideally we try to we look at the current systems and we find out what the new system needs to replace what's working well what's not working well then we interview different team members because everyone's got a different perspective so we want someone from management someone from middle someone from the coal face and ideally we'll identify what is it that's working or not working for each of those you know individuals and and they'll say oh i hate it when this happens or i don't understand that or i can't get information from here 
then the next layer is a bit of research time just to go out and say like, these are the core competencies and we, we will uh, prioritize those from a most critical all the way through to nice to have someone goes i don't like the way the email saves in the system it takes me three seconds longer it could just be that they just need to suck it up now or they're used to using another platform which has some nice bell we uh, click and wiggle kind of thing so the next phase in the research is when we try to find you know not only the main platforms but try to find some nuanced solutions that could identify that you know maybe it's fully custom or maybe it's partially custom there, there are other ways and then by using that spreadsheet is we then compare us and we'll line them up side by side and then traffic light them but also sometimes that doesn't work completely because the features could be you know i often you know try to equate it they're either tick the box with gray lead pencil with crayon or with a big black sharpie you know like is that one feature addressed properly or is it only you know, underbaked or is it only just kind of like they can only really only basically claim that it does actually solve that? So by aligning them, we get to line by line, feature by feature, compare them, have an empirical kind of study and research and it does take a bit of time. But then, you know, by doing that needs analysis, we're, we're addressing what do we need now? What do we need in three years, five years? And we're at least mapping as a bit of a risk mitigation strategy for the future. And whilst it is time consuming, getting it right at the start can save you tens, if not hundreds, or millions of dollars, depending on the size of the project, in making sure that you have a solution and a roadmap plan for how do we deal with this problem that we know we're going to have when we reach this much revenue or this much headcount or whatever. So having a decent checklist you create to work through that process, like any process, whether you're settling on a property or whether you're sorting out your software, just make sure you don't miss any boxes, I guess, because then you're going to kick yourself later on. Eh? You say it could be expensive. So um, mm. well, um, we've run through a number of different topics, another number of points there. Thanks very much for contributing that. Is there anything else as a result of our conversation, Avon, that you'd, you'd like to share with people that may be valuable little snippet, if you like? Yeah, I would say um, knowledge management is kind of the name of the game. That's what all these systems hold some level of information. And one of the one of the best ways to do that is with things like knowledge articles. When you're explaining how to do this, how to do that, so that someone else can come along and do that job with you or for you or, or in replacement of. So one of the big things to remember when you're writing a knowledge article, if you're doing it yourself, a great way to do it is record a video. A picture tells a thousand words. But then if you're going to put it in a system, you need to have the actual words so that people can search it because the, the search can't read the video. The next point I would make is get someone else to read it and interpret it back because if the instructions are like because I have assumed people know what I know uh, and you do that subconsciously but other people don't have that same life experience they've lived in a completely different set of uh, years to you uh, in life and they've done a completely different pathway uh, etc so being able to have someone else read it and read it back and tell you I don't understand or I'd like to know more about this really helps you have better knowledge articles which then helps other people help you and I know we're talking about systems but we're also talking about people so that's probably my number one that we found is one of the biggest things that's helped us to scale up in the last little while. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So it's, uh, yeah, it's editing, isn't it? Basically, with someone that's got the knowledge and understands as well, I think. Uh, probably need to. You need someone who understands what you're supposed to be talking about and someone else who's trying to learn what mm. you could say. So you can't take any of these things for granted so easily. So easy. Mm. We all know in our personal relationships, don't we? We get misunderstandings when we both think we're talking the same language about the same thing. So, uh, look, th thank you for that. So, what I like to do in wrapping up, Avon, is, is just say if people want to learn a bit more or get some guides or ideas. I know you you and your team, your organization, have a lot of resources. Where can people go if they want to learn a bit more, have a look around, even maybe get in touch and have a chat, something like that? 
Yeah, the hub of everything is at uh, relevate.com.au. Um, and then from there, we try to make it really easy to find other things. So like we've got you know, YouTube, the other the other companies, we've got heaps of blog articles, how-to guides, and then you can find out most things there. Otherwise, the bottom right, you, uh, start a chat with our team or it's our phone number, our email, any of those sorts of things. Obviously, <laughs> I've, I've done the thing that you shouldn't do and that's give you too many calls to action. So really just go to relevate.com.au and you'll find everything from there. Yeah. yeah. No, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much, Anid. I really appreciate that. I hope everyone has found some things, some learnings, I suppose, that picked up that and enjoyed it. If you've got any feedback, I'd love to hear from you and so would Aiden. So uh, looking forward to uh, catching up with you when we have our next Franchise Radio Show. And Aiden, thanks very much again for joining us today. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. 